Testament, the Living Bible, in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon those listening. The Jews who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit would be given to Gentiles too. But there could be no doubt in it, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Peter asked, Can anyone direct me or object? To, can anyone object to my baptizing them now? That they have received the Holy Spirit as they did? And he said, So he said, Baptizing them in the name of Jesus the Messiah. Afterwards, Cornelius begged him to stay for several days. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Let's pray together. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When Jeremy asked me to preach our final sermon in the series of Pride Month, I went, what? Okay, but me? So we have all these lovely people preaching during Pride Month, and you want me? He said, yeah, you'll be fine. You know how he is. He's going to be listening to this, so I have to be careful. And so before I even thought, it was an unconscious thought. You know the ones that just pop out of your mouth? I said, oh, I can just tell my story. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. And they went, no. I said, oh, or I'll find a great story on the Internet and share that. And he said, oh, that'd be fine, too. Whatever, you'll be fine. So I spent six weeks, six long, agonizing weeks looking for a fantastic story. So about two weeks ago, I had some quiet time, some quiet time at home. Everybody was at a meeting or occupied, and everyone had been telling me, you've got to watch this documentary on Netflix. Okay. So I hadn't found my story. Oh, I had a ton of stories I'd print it off. I have a file folder of stories ready to go. And I knew one of them would just inspire me. So I thought, I will just watch this documentary on Netflix, and I'm sure that will give me some inspiration, or if nothing else, it'll just make me feel better. Because it was this new Brene Brown documentary on Netflix, and everybody said it was fantastic. So I thought, yes, if nothing else, it'll just make me feel better about myself, because Brene Brown's good about making you feel better about yourself. So I started watching it, and I had a pad of paper, because that's how I watch documentaries, with a pad of paper and a pencil. Yeah, I know. So I was ready. I was watching. Five minutes into it, and I'm like, no, 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 no. See, the whole documentary is about telling your story. I watched a documentary on how to be vulnerable and tell your story. 
Literally, when I got done watching the documentary, I turned it off. I looked at the ceiling and I said, fine, I'll tell my story, but I'm not going to like it. So in the words of Brene Brown, I'm today, I'm choosing courage over comfort. And I'm telling my story, but I'm not going to like it. Because like Peter, I wasn't planning on being an ally. It wasn't in my game plan. I didn't write it in my dream journal. It wasn't part of my process. See, in 2001, when I got married to the guy that was my musician friend, best friend, he's an amazing piano player. We got together because I always needed an accompanist, and he always needed a vocalist, and it just worked. And we were best friends, and that's what best friends do. They get married. So we did. 2001. We never fought, or rarely fought, because we were best friends. Well, seven years into the marriage, I thought it was the seven-year itch. And something was going on, and I finally just gently said, what's happening here? And was not expecting him to turn around and say, you know, I really think I'm gay. That's not what I expected. I thought he was going to say, I want to go back to school, I want to have another kid, you know, all the other typical male things. I think I'm gay was not my anticipated response. So, we're best friends. I looked at him and said, we'll figure it out. That was not his anticipated response from me. So we did. We figured it out. For years and years and years, we figured it out. We tried to stay married, figured it out. We decided to be roommates, figured it out. We decided to be separated and lived in the same house, figured it out. We decided when I moved off to Flint to get divorced and figured it out. Um, We co-parent. We're still best friends. We figured it out. So last week when I went back to his home church where he was leaving and saying goodbye to the congregation we served together for over a decade... He'd asked me to come back and sing Forever Friends in front of the congregation. And we did. And we didn't cry because we were making faces at each other. So we didn't cry. (laughs) Because while we were serving there, we sat across from 200 people through the process and said, Hey, by the way, we're getting a divorce. Hey, by the way, he's gay. And we had to be vulnerable and share our story with 200 people. 200 parishioners had to find out our story. In a group of 2,000, that's a small percentage. That's only 10% of the people. But 10% of the people, as we sang, forever friends were bawling their eyes out because they knew our story. The other 1,800 people were just like, what's happening? I thought she left. (laughs) And that's fine. See, not everybody gets to hear your story. Not everybody has permission to know your story. It's called boundaries. And they're a safe place to be. 
But sometimes when the Holy Spirit puts her foot in our back and makes us tell our story, like my story of how I became an ally, I didn't become an ally overnight. I became an ally through the process. The process of watching him cry when people accused him of making a choice that was destroying his family. When I know full well, he would have rather kept us all together. The process of watching him struggle, the number of times he said, I'm so sorry, I never meant to put you through this. That's what made me an ally. Not just because I woke up one morning and decided I like rainbows. Although I like color, so rainbows are kind of my jam. But I became an ally because I struggled for 15 years with a man who would rather have kept his family together, but knew he was gay. That's my journey. That's my story. That's how I became an ally. Not just because it's the political place to be or that it's cool or it's Pride Month. And it's, you know... Everybody's wearing rainbows. It's such a deep, ingrained part of who I am today. I don't know how else to be. But it's become a blessing. Because then Saturday, when people came up to me and said, Wait, you're a pastor? I said, Yes. I said, Wait, you're an ally pastor? I said, Yes. How? I said, because my ex-husband's gay, and I don't believe that God made him any other way. And they fell in my arms and cried. I don't get to have that story without having the pain. I don't get to have that story without the struggle. But the blessing of that is then when my daughter comes to me and says, Mom, I identify as queer. I said, that's beautiful. Thank you for telling me. She didn't have to worry that her mother would be like, are you sure? Do we need to pray about this first? She knew I was safe. She knew that I would be a person that would love her for who she is. Because I believe that's who she is. Now, that's fine. She knows her dad is gay. It's a safe place. She knows her church accepts her for who she is. She loves coming to Court Street because of that. Thank you, church. Her other church was shocked when I told them. She didn't come out of the closet there. It's not safe there. So thank you. That's aside. <laughs> it's not really part of the sermon. But our journeys and who we are can only really be experienced when, as Brian McLaren says, we let go and let be. I had a couple of choices to make on the journey. I could have been angry and bitter, and believe me, there were moments. I'm human. It wasn't all rainbows, sunshines, and unicorns. Lots of therapy, folks. It's our friend. But 
I could have held on to being angry and lost the opportunity to be an ally, or I could have let go and let be as part of a journey. And then Brian says, Brian McLaren says, when we let go and let be, then we allow the Holy Spirit to let come. Don't think of that grammatically. It doesn't work. (laughs) But Brian says, when the Holy Spirit let come, comes over us, then we become a change agent. When we can let go and let be, and the Holy Spirit comes over us, we can be the change agent. Then we can go out and do like Peter. If Peter had said, nope, sorry, my ministry is only to the Jews. I hear Cornelius is a really great guy, but he's not a Jew. And my ministry is really only to the Jews. Have you called Paul? Paul deals with the Gentiles. If Peter had gotten stuck and only doing ministry to the Jews, which had been his ministry profile. He had really only worked with Jews. We wouldn't have the beautiful work that continued to happen in the New Testament. But Peter allowed the Holy Spirit to move him. He allowed the Holy Spirit to move him and move his work into the realm of the Gentiles and allowed a whole new ministry to unfold. We have opportunities to become allies in places where we're not expecting it. When I was in college, I was a feminist, and I had feminist blinders on. And I was an ally, but I was a feminist ally. And I saw equality as only equality here. Well, then we mature, and we see equality for one is equality for all. But sometimes we get our blinders on. And if I had left my blinders on, I would have not seen all the beauty there was to see outside of that one particular point of view. I also would have lost the ability to have a life outside of the life that I had. See, if I hadn't moved to Court Street, I would have never met a certain scoutmaster who called me on the phone asking for background checks every six months. He's kind of funny. He made me laugh. And then he figured out I was single, and he asked me out on a date. And then we got married in May. We got married in May because Jan's got a job with a church that accepted him for who he was and is. Sorry, he's still alive. Sorry for the past tense there. Jan's got a job with, Jer- with Jeremy's best friend, Pastor Amy Mayo Moyle, and moved this last week down to Farmington. He's accepted now at a church that knows he's gay and loves him for it. But because he was moving, he called me and he said, We need to talk. I'm moving this summer. And you're looking at getting married in the fall, and that's too much transition for our kids. Can you get married this summer? I said, I don't know. I should ask Jason first. (laughs) So I asked Jason. "Um, I have a weird request from Jance. Jance wants to know if we can get married this summer. And he was like, seriously? So let me get this straight. Your ex-husband wants to know if we can bump up the wedding? I said, yeah. 
said, yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> and so I said, okay. So we got married. Well, first we looked at our calendars. And between youth events and camping events and work events, and he said, honey, I have bad news. I said, what? He goes, we can get married in two weeks, or we can get married in November. I said, two weeks it is. So we called up one of our friends and said, hey, do you want to marry us? And he said, sure. Thanks, friend. We chose as part of our allyship to get married by a gay friend in our living room. Because of the United Methodist's current stance on LGBTQ people getting married in the church, we decided that we weren't comfortable getting married in the church. That's our position. We're not asking anyone else to take that position. That was something I chose to do as a clergy person in a way to make my allyship have a political point. That's not something I expect anyone else to do, and I'm, please don't hear me say that we, we, we love people getting married in our church. Um, um, but that was a choice that we made um, because it breaks my heart that my friends can't get married here. Um, not going to cry. Not going to cry. Um, so that was a choice that we made. So we did. Um, I am changing my name as soon as all the legal paperwork gets taken care of. Jeremy would really like me to keep the black and add the white. <laughs> I feel like my life is a running joke enough as it is <laughs> without having to make my name a joke as well. <laughs> but that's my story. My story, I feel like, is like Peter's in some ways. Peter was in trouble with the Jews because he went and played with Gentiles. <laughs> I grew up very conservative. I've had to get rid of a lot of my friends on Facebook because they keep tearing down my friends on other friends on Facebook. Um... My life is, I'm in trouble with people here, and I'm in trouble with people here. And I've had to learn that courage is just showing up, and you can't anticipate the outcome. And you deal with the fallout, and you love people anyway. And sometimes courage is just getting on Facebook and saying, I love you, but I can't talk to you right now, and I'm having to remove you from Facebook. You will always be a lifelong friend. I will always love you, but please stop talking to me. And sometimes that's what courage looks like. So I want to invite you to figure out the places where you need to be vulnerable, the places where you need to show up and let loose of control, the places where you need to just have courage over comfort. It may be telling your story. It may be just figuring out the places where you can be an ally. It may be figuring out what's triggering you taking a step back and dealing with the ugly emotion.
instead of taking it out on the grocery lady. Because we've all been there. We've all been there. What's happening to you in the Kroger line has nothing to do with the poor lady in front of you. Has everything to do with what just happened two days ago. And you've gotten it stuck in a loop in your head. And maybe you just need to go home with a cup of peppermint tea and scribble out the stuff that you got stuck in a loop in your head and not yell at the Kroger lady. But it's easier to yell at the Kroger lady. I don't know what it is for you. I know for me, I didn't have a choice. I had to get up here and tell you my story. I didn't want to. I didn't sleep well last night. I really didn't want to tell you my story. And I don't know what it is in my story that you may or may not have needed to hear. But if there was something in there that you needed, you can thank the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me because I didn't want to do this. But there's so much in our lives that we don't want to do, but we just have to have the courage to show up. So you can thank God that I got in my car and showed up today. Because being vulnerable is not what I'm good at. It's much easier to put up a veneer and pretend like everything's okay. But I need you to leave here today knowing that the Holy Spirit will give you the grace to have the courage to show up and do what you need to do in the moment that you need to do it. Don't run away. Don't be afraid. Okay, you can be afraid, but show up. Be vulnerable. Have the courage. And today, choose courage over comfort. And just today, and then tell yourself tomorrow, today I choose courage over comfort. And be like Peter. And go to those Gentiles, even though your friends may say, what are you doing? They're not like us. But today, choose courage. May we all do it together. We can be in that boat together. I love you, friends. May it be so. Amen.